This is John with Catholic Rednecks, and I have our regular guest, uh, resident theologian, mm-hmm. Desiree. Yeah, hi. Hey, I'm not going to try to say your name because I your last name because I have <laughs> good. You know why? Um, teach school, mm-hmm. and the school system I'm in, it's got a lot of Hispanic kids. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't say their names. I just can't. And they at me. I have one named Jesus. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe that. I, being in Arizona, I, I definitely had a lot of Hispanic classmates too. Well, you wouldn't think that Alabama would have an influx of Hispanics, immigrants, people, you know, from Mexico, Honduras. Yeah. But I've got some classes that are, are nearly 50-50. Like that, mm-hmm. and some uh, dropped off it, and one single word English, and I've got three Arab kids, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them doesn't speak English at all. That's so hard. I can't imagine being in school and everyone just talking a language that I don't understand. One of the neat things we got Google, and those kids can all uh, like the. The Arab kid that speaks Arabic and not English, she she just types in the the uh, schoolwork, you know. What, oh yeah, like a Google Translate. Right, and and she does work, and then yes, basketball with her because she was kind of off to the side by herself wearing her garb, you know. I don't know what's yeah. that. Called? I don't know hijab. I think some of them call it a hijab, but I don't think everyone uh, same thing. Yeah, her name's Z-E-N-A. Zena? hmm And I've already got a Catholic friend that's Lebanese with the same name. So we got A-A and our buddy J.R., you know, J.R. Falls. He goes to church with me. And what's funny is I started moderating. Mm-hmm. You know, from Instagram, which he's not on, I told some of my friends to come on and heckle, heckle me last, last couple of times. <laughs> Give him something to do. <laughs> I had some friends create some fake accounts. Yeah. And they were trashing the Catholic church. And I even forgot I was I was getting into <laughs> it. And JR just blocking people left and right. Good so, job, JR. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you, Desiree, is mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel a few days ago, this lady, her name is Deborah. Um, I think it's like Haynecker. Okay. Deborah Haynecker. I doubt if she's watching, but she said on my, um, she said on my post that the only thing I'm supposed to do as a New Testament believer is to have faith in Christ. No. Period. To be saved. Faith. So I'm going to be honest. I looked her up. And hey, hey, Hope. Do you know Hope? I don't. Um, I'm going to tag you on her Instagram. She's cool. She lives on the Jersey Shore. Oh, so, cool, Hope. <laughs> got a little little bit of coin. Hey, come here. My son just walked in on me. Come here, say hey real quick. Just come here. Hiding presence. You know Brian from Catholicism? Hi. I do. I've followed him for a long time. You gonna pull up a chair? Huh? I got. Oh, it. hand me your book. 
this is his book. <laughs> and uh, Claire from Portland, Oregon wants an autographed edition. And you didn't even mail this one off. Look, he's already autographing. <laughs> Don't mail it. What is that one? That's an autographed book. You ain't even mailed it to Dude, the customer. I, there might be some purpose for that one. Okay. That's, that's oh, bad. Oh, I admire your humility. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, the Deborah uh, Haynecker, mm -hmm. German sounding name. So I tracked her down. I applied my sleuthing skills. Mm -hmm. I found out if it's the right lady that she goes to a denomination called the Movarian Church. Have you heard of that? I don't, I don't, I mean, it somewhat rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Okay. You know, back when the so-called Reformation started, mm -hmm. um, in that right before even then, there were, you know, some dissenting groups that, you know, I, I guess from day one that left the church and went their own way. And this is one of them. I believe it's out of Germany or Switzerland. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, they're the ones that Luther was influenced by. Martin Luther was influenced yeah. by. Them. And uh, a lot of their teachings that I just found on Wikipedia, and everybody makes fun of Wikipedia, but, you know, a, a, a good amount of their teachings are very, or the same as ours. Mm -hmm. And, but... They, they feel like uh, the only thing that you have to do to be saved is just believe in Jesus. That's Which all. Is not true. That's a very Lutheran thing. And I understand, you know, Luther was inspired by them. But yeah, the movement of faith without works is just nonsense. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And we see that multiple times in the Bible, people who proclaim the Pharisees, particularly who proclaim, you know, I'm so religious. I'm so holy. I uphold the Sabbath, but then their works don't reflect that. I can't remember. I'm so terrible. I can remember the Bible, but I'm terrible at going like, oh, it's the scripture in this verse. But there's that one point where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he calls them out on their hypocrisy saying, you know, you won't take care of your elderly parents who need you to take care of them. And as their children, you should be taking care of them because you're saying like, oh, I'm pursuing the Lord. I'm giving it up to the Lord. But really what you're doing is you're keeping your money for yourself and keeping your works for yourself. And you're refusing to take care of your parents. And that's shameful. And that's hypocritical. Like it's very, very, very clear all throughout scripture consistently faith and works, faith and works, faith and works. There's just, you know, one particularly famous verse talking about having faith. And even that verse doesn't say faith alone. Anybody who says faith alone adds the word alone into the text. Um, I'm usually pretty good on chat verse. Um, here's the thing. And I, ha I'm get I hate to use the word Protestant because most Protestants these days, 2024, they don't consider themselves a Protestant. Now, of course, they don't consider us Christians, but they consider themselves uh, Christ followers, believers. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And they don't like to reveal during a, a debate or discussion, they don't like to reveal where they go to church. Because mm -hmm. they don't want to be identified with a denomination. Especially mm -hmm. because I know a lot about denominations. I start asking them some uncomfortable questions. Yeah. They talk, 
the thing that, uh, and it's what I wanted to, to uh, hear from you, is a lot of non-Catholics seem to um, take script their favorite scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter the context, they take a scripture that sides with their faith alone. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that while disregarding the other scriptures that talk about faith and works or works. And the thing I like about the Catholic church is they don't do that. Right. They, they lump them all in to faith and works. And I liken it to baking an apple pie. Mm-hmm. It's like they're baking an apple pie, but the only thing they're putting in that pie is the apples. Right. All the other ingredients. Because it's the main thing, it's the apples. Mm-hmm. But they're, you know, they got their uh, aluminum pie pie thing, the pan, mm-hmm. the pie, and they put a bunch of apples in it. They've cut up, then they stick it in the oven, and they think that when they pull it out, they're gonna have an apple pie. Mm-hmm. So what what would you say about that? I mean, I think I think it's lovely to take an isolated verse from time to time. Sometimes just that verse can speak something to you personally, even if that's not actually what the verse is saying. It might just tell you something about yourself or about your life that you need to hear. And that's fantastic. But you can't do that with the Bible any more than you can do that with any other historic text. And that's what the Bible is. It's a historic text. And it's also an instructive text. And so to go with the apple pie thing, it would be like if you're reading that recipe and it says add your apples, add your sugar, add your cinnamon, all of that stuff. And you just think, okay, apples, that's that's the main thing. It's apple pie, right? It's like, all right, but the products that you get at the end isn't actually going to be apple pie. It's not going to be what apple pie is supposed to be. It's this is something I hear people say all the time. So it might be a bit trite, but like it's a little bit of apple pie, but it's not the full pie. So it's a little bit of the truth, but it's not the full truth. And it might even be the best part of the apple pie if you're, you know, a fillings person, not a crust person, but it's still not the whole thing. So you, you can't exactly call it apple pie. Yeah, you're going to get baked apples is what you're going to get. Yeah. You preheat 50 and cut up apples and stick them on a uh, pie, you know, the aluminum pie thing, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. You know, a few minutes, you'll get baked apples, which will probably be pretty good, but it's not an apple pie. Yeah. Unapologetically Catholic said people like that uh, have their ideology and force it into scripture instead of letting scripture speak and shape our beliefs. And that's also, that's also true. A lot of people take the presupposition they want to have and then start scanning scripture for it. I mean, it's similar to the fiducia supplicants, right? Like some people either didn't read it at all and just decided they knew what it meant, which Christians who do the same thing with the Bible are out there. But there are also people who did read it, but they went into it going, this is what it's going to say to me. And so they just had their blinders on. And as soon as I saw the one little line that validated them, they're like, that's all I need to see. That's all. That's what I need to know. And then I can pat myself on the back like, hey, yeah, I read it. It's like, but you didn't really. You went into it with your own bias and you let your bias feed how you read and interpreted it, which meant you discarded things you didn't want to have and you kept things that you did want to have. Yeah, well, uh, hey, Eric, you know, that's how I used to to choose what church I went to. 
had a with your blinders on. I had a preconceived belief, so mm-hmm. I went to the church that believed likewise, and like mm-hmm. I went through a period of time where I was very Calvinistic. So mm-hmm. of course I find a Reformed church, you know, um, Presbyterian PCA or some Baptist churches. Um, when I believed, when I went through the part where I really believed in speaking in tongues and faith healing and mm-hmm. prosperity gospel, um, mm-hmm. those kinds of churches. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when I started going to the Catholic church, I went because I was invited and I didn't agree with anything that they said, anything, but I felt, I felt something mm-hmm. that I'd never felt as the other 900 churches I'd been to. I, I could feel something there, you mm-hmm. know, like when I went to adoration um, this week, when I walked in there, I could feel, I could feel God. Yeah. That tabernacle. But um, you remember when in Acts 2, when the Jews asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? Mm, yes. He, he gave him a list of about five things to do. I do have my Bible, by the way. Good. Look, I've got I, one, so I can pull that out. I got one one of Brian's down. Mm-hmm. Look how fine the print is. I mean, I'm 61. I can't. <laughs> but uh, I think it's Acts 238. Okay, this isn't my Bible for the record, so I don't know how it reads. It's when he gave that sermon about, um, it starts in verse 11, chapter 2, and it gets all the way down to uh, about verse, I can't even read this. It's so tiny. Well, I've got 238 right here. Yeah. When, that's when they asked him what they had to do to get saved. What did Peter say? Mm-hmm. So the other apostles, what shall we do, brothers? Peter said to them, each one of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven and you will receive God's gift, the Holy Spirit. For God's promise was made to you and your children and to all who are far away, all whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter made his appeal to them, and with many other words, he urged them, saying, Save yourselves from the punishment coming on this wicked people. Many of them believed this message and were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to the group that day. They spent their time in learning from the apostles, taking in part in the fellowship, and sharing in the fellowship meals and the prayers. So, that went down to 42. So, Peter hung out with Jesus in the flesh for three years, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I always imagined that at night when they were on the road, had a fire going, probably had a couple bags of wine, you mm-hmm. know, fish. And I imagine Jesus taught them nightly or daily while they were walking around. Yeah. So Peter said, they asked Peter how to be saved, mm-hmm. right? That's the word the Protestants use saved, S-A-V-E-D, and they don't know it, but if you look at the word saved in the Greek, um, it means to be made whole or to be delivered. It don't mean born again, going to heaven. Right. That you're there, like they believe. 
Yeah. And uh, so he says, repent. Right? Right. Say no more. He said to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's given them two things besides believing. The lady yeah. on the YouTube channel said, all you have to do is to believe. But that's not what Peter said. Right. Satan also believes. Do we think that Satan is heaven-bound some, at some point? Right. Did you see the, the original movie, The Exorcist? Yes. Um, I saw it on uh, like one of those four-dimensional widescreens. Mm-hmm. And I, the only reason I watched it, my son wanted to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. And it was like four-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, like you look, it's like you can reach out and... Like you Blair's it, face or whatever her name is. Reagan, Reagan's face. But that priest had lost his faith. Mm-hmm. He had faith in Jesus. He had gone completely, I guess you would say, maybe an atheist or he didn't know. But mm-hmm. the demon believed. The, the demon had more faith than the priest did. Right. So the it, same with uh, Nefarious. Did you see Nefarious? You did? Yeah, the part where the priest comes in and so he starts freaking out. Until he's like, oh, we don't believe in that stuff anymore. We've evolved beyond, you know, believing in possession and so on and so on. And then all of a sudden he's very comfortable with the consecrated hands in front of him. Like, yeah, I'm not scared of you because you don't even believe what I know is true. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I'm I'm not saying that, um, I mean, I, you know, in, in the Catholic Church, we've got these sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. And people on my channels, Hey, Haley and Robert, people on my channels are always equating sacraments with works. Yep. And they're saying you don't have to do those sacraments to be saved, but they don't even know what a sacrament is. Right. And they don't know that the sacrament is being done by Jesus himself mm-hmm. through that priest. And they say you don't need a middleman, yet they'll go see a middleman to get married. Yeah, little man to to say the sinner's prayer that's not even in the Bible. Mm-hmm. They'll take a middleman to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Take a middleman to get married. I mean, what's the difference between us going through a priest to get those things too? What? I couldn't tell you. I think it's a good example of people who hold that I think we talked about this last time where you hold this opinion over here and you hold that opinion over there but you don't ever bridge the two together to see if you can actually cross from one to the other and you'll realize if you hold these two opinions you you can't actually that you won't be able to bridge them together Desiree do you consider a sacrament a work like you're doing something a work yeah I mean if you're cooperating in the sacrament you know that's you have to agree to do it some people get sacraments for their spouses or for their parents or whatever. And so I would say that those people aren't really working as much as just uh, being present in this thing. But How do you feel about this? Okay. I, um, I've had Baptist friends. Um, hey guys, Hilltop home place. I've had Baptist friends. And the reason I, I, I don't mean to be picking on Baptist, but that's where I live. Yeah. Okay. 
the Baptist church literally every block in the South, every square mm-hmm. one, sometimes one on each corner of the same intersection. Yeah. And, um, they say that all you have to do, okay, they, they love to call Ephesians 2 8. For mm-hmm. grace through faith, not then, not of yourselves, not of works. Yes. And boasting. Now, they don't read the next verse that talks about works, they clip it right there. Yeah. Talks about works. But I asked them, isn't repenting a work? Yeah. Is being is praying a work mm-hmm. is uh reading your bible a work mm-hmm. is going forward to the altar call a work yeah is saying a prayer a work mm-hmm. what get i i do not understand their the way they think I think, and this sort of goes back to how you were saying earlier that a lot of Protestants don't like to be called Protestants. I think it's because most Protestants today don't actually protest anything. You, you, I've seen you ask that a few times on your channel when you have Protestants on. You're like, what do you protest? And they usually stumble, you know, or like, even if they kind of recover, they're always like, what? I, uh, because that's not what the, the mindset that they're in. They're not sitting here going, okay, this is the church that Jesus established, but I think they're doing something wrong. So I'm going to go protest over here and like be in this group because I think this group's at least honoring the Lord the way that's, you know, it's supposed to be done. They do believe that they're, I mean, reasonably believe that they're honoring the Lord the way it's supposed to be done. But at this point, it's been hundreds of years. So you have multi-generational Protestant born children who nobody alive in their family is Catholic if they ever were, you know, So they don't, I would say they don't appreciate being called Protestant. And I mean that in a literal way. They don't have an appreciation for it because they're not protesting. They're just raised to say, you know, I eat my ham and my beans and I hate Catholics or whatever it is. You know, I know that that's wrong uh, because that's what my church says. So that's what I am. And I say that not just because that's what I think. I say that because I was a ham and beans Catholic. You know, I was not Catholic because it was the right thing. I was Catholic because that's what I was raised to be. And that's why it was so easy for me to leave when I decided I don't really have a lot of community here. I want community. Let me just go join this other church that I think has the community that I want. It's very much like that. You'll go to a Protestant church, especially if it's a non-denom, and you'll go, oh, yeah, I love this pastor, so I'm going to stick around for a while. And then maybe another pastor comes on, and then those two pastors fight, and then they split, and then half the congregation goes with Pastor Jim, and the other half goes to Pastor Bob. And it's like, you're just there because that's what you were raised in. You're there because that's what you like. You're there because that's what feels good. You're there because whatever. And I do think that a lot of people have really, really fervent faith, like a lot of the non-denoms that I know spend a lot of time in the Bible and they spend a lot of time in the scriptures. And I think that that can give them this sense of knowledge and surety, but then they'll start saying, you know, I believe this. I think that it's my belief that whatever. And it's like, okay, but who says this? Where does this come from? Does it come from your own head? In which case, who gave you the authority to interpret this? Or does it come from your pastor, in which case, who gave him the authority to interpret this? And some will say, no, I just think it comes from God. And, you know, like he gave us this book, we're going to be able to understand what's in it. And it's like, okay, but if that were true, 
there wouldn't be as much disagreement as there is. And even if you want to say, well, you know, some church structures and hierarchy are the root cause of that. It's like, well, there's plenty of churches that have basically zero hierarchy. It's the laity and the Pope, I mean, pastor at your church who decides this stuff. Like there's not even agreement amongst those people. You know what I mean? Even people in like with the same pastor don't agree on everything, you know? So it's just, it's just not true. And I think there's this element of particularly also the devil loves to keep us busy so that we have less time to sit in silence and think and reflect and realize this stuff. Like it's, there's just so many little factors, so many little cogs in the machine that keep churning and keep people where they're at. Yeah. Um, Hey Madison, I'm glad you're, I hope you're home from the hospital. Um, Let me ask you this, Desiree. Mm-hmm. You went to Arizona State, didn't you? I did for a little bit. Okay. Let's pretend we're at Arizona State in class. And I noticed you wearing, well, I got a, I got a dial back a few years, you know. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, up here. And during class, I noticed you're wearing a, um, scapular crucifix i i just know i just pick up on the fact that you're religious mm-hmm. okay now a, a scapula and rosary and all that here in alabama they don't it don't attract attention because they don't know what it is like right. ash wednesday i'm going to go to school wednesday i can't wait for my ashes <laughs> and i can guarantee you i'll be asked five or six hundred times uh you know you got you know, what's that on your face? Mm-hmm. You, get, you got a smudge and they're going to ask me, then I'm going to say, it's Ash Wednesday and they ain't even going to know what Ash Wednesday is. Then I'll say Lent. They don't know what Lent is. I mean, it's 99% Protestant. It's mm-hmm. oblate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm at Arizona State. I'm a sun devil. And I noticed you're religious. And I just ask you, Hey, Desiree, can we, I want to talk to you after class and it's after class. And I, I'll tell you, you know what? Um, I noticed you're religious. I've been, I've got this kind of pull to make my life right with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been in church. I don't know how to pray. I don't want to go to hell. I, I want to go to heaven. What do I do? Well, if that interaction was happening right in front of me, the very first thing I would do is say, okay, well, you pray like this. Pray with me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then I would talk to the Lord and probably ask your cooperation. I'd say, okay, what's your name? John. All right, John. John. Uh, dear Lord, you've stirred John's heart. Please continue to help him feel what he's feeling and to focus on this message that you're clearly putting on his heart, help him to follow through and to um, solemnly discern what is happening and let us build the kind of friendship that will help him come back to you. Amen. And then I tell you, you just have to talk. First of all, you don't have to have the a, a script to follow. There are prayers that do follow a script and they're very helpful, especially when you just don't have the words, but you need to be with the Lord in prayer or you need to 
get some help praying for whatever your needs are. But I would also probably say, okay, why don't you just tell me about yourself? Because you told me that you don't know a whole lot of stuff. Those are some negative things. Why don't you tell me some positive things about you, some things that are true about you and your life and your experience. And then we would go forward from there. I'd invite you to mass to go with me, whether it's a you know daily mass the next day or to meet up and go on Sunday. We'd go from there. Okay. Let's say we we go. I do meet you at mass, and uh, <laughs> Madison, I ain't gonna wash my face off. I love my ashes, right? I can't wait to get them. But um, it's the only time I can uh say that I'm Catholic without saying that I'm Catholic. That's not true. You can wear this stuff. They don't pay. I do. They don't. They don't just don't pay any attention. But if you got a big old black smudge on your head, you're going to get asked around here. I promise you. People are. Rocked, even here in Arizona, where there's actually a very big Catholic population, I got my ashes. I had to go to the 6 a.m. Mass one Ash Wednesday because I wasn't going to be able to go between school and work. And I had so many people walk by me and just go as I walked by, thinking I didn't know I had this on my forehead. I was like, you uncultured swine. Obviously, I know what's up here. <laughs> uneducated philistine <laughs> you know okay so we go to mass and i don't know what's going on because i know what it's like to go to mass for the first time it wasn't that long ago. i didn't know what the heck that i didn't know what was going on and here it's not that people wouldn't like to go to mass it's they're afraid they know there's a bunch of uh yoga looking gymnastic stuff and they don't know how to do it because that was my thing on the way to my first mass with my wife, who's raised Catholic, I was like, I'm, I'm a little, I'm nervous because I don't know what to do. Right. And she said, I don't remember either. Let's just go. She remembered every single thing like a robot. <laughs> like, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. She knew the, the creed, the, the little thing when they, you know, she knew everything. But was this after the, uh, and with your spirit? So did she say it also with you? Oh, somebody had told her um, that they changed the ending, you know, recently. Uh, yeah, Madison, you can wash your face, but why would you want to? If if uh, if if Brad Pitt kissed you on the cheek, would you go home and wash it off? I no. Sure so um, so we're at mass, and I'm seeing all the the I see the crucifix, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say, what's up with that? crucifix mm-hmm. tell me about that what what's my next step i prayed i showed up a mass i noticed you had a crucifix and everybody's bound now what do i do well i would say if people aren't bowing to the crucifix so you have to look for that little red candle on the side and if it's lit that means that there's a tabernacle in the vicinity and that tabernacle has the real presence of christ his actual literal physical flesh is in that tabernacle and since the king of kings is right there, we bow in reverence, just like you would if you were to go meet some other king somewhere else. And the crucifix is there not to be uh, gory, as some people would think, but it's to remind you of the very real reality of what Jesus did. Because, you know, we're human beings. We can we can desire comfort by sweeping a lot of things that are really uncomfortable under the rug. But 
with Catholics, we don't do that. We're honest. We're up front and center. This is what happened. This is what he did. And if it makes you uncomfortable, good. Change your life because that's why he did it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the crucifix that we have at St. Mark, that's my original parish. Um, they had to send it off to a place to get it uh, toned down a little bit because kids and the church for for decades would have nightmares about that crucifix and it was oh was it like them. super super bloody or something yeah and there's yeah. one up sacrament in Hartzell. i don't i don't mm -mm. they've got a bad a bad one you got a, a, a crucifix out in the courtyard that um, is very moving to see. Did you see that series? I think it's on Netflix, Highlander. Mm -mm. I watched some of it the other night with my wife. I had never seen it. And they showed the uh, John Froze. I can't you help it. Over. For me. Okay, Eric, you know what? Um, I watched uh, Jamie Powell and Carlos this morning on their YouTube live, and they had some garble. And a couple of times with freeze, the free, the uh, screen froze. I think it's just YouTube because they don't do that on TikTok, which reminds me, Ezra, I got to talk to you about something later. But um, so I'm looking at the crucifix, and somebody in my family said, uh, "You know, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore." And I said, "Get this." Yes, I said, How'd you know that was Jesus? And it took him a minute to realize, oh, I get your point. That's everybody found out who Jesus was looking at a crucifix back then. And so when I ask you, what's up with that crucifix, what would you tell me? What do you mean? Like that our Lord and Savior suffered and died on a cross for us? Already prayed, God keep talking to me. I showed up at Mass. Really know what's going on, but I see Jesus, you know, up there on the crucifix, and I'm not that familiar, you know. I'm trying to get saved as possible, so I would ask you about Jesus. Yeah, so Jesus is literally God. He is God the Son. Mm -hmm. He is fully God and fully human. That's why Mary is his mom, and yet God is his father, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary, who was a virgin prior to his birth and retained her virginity after his birth. And he, we follow his childhood loosely in the Bible up until 12. And then all of a sudden he's much older in his 30s. And we hear about him and his ministry on earth and about the apostles that he selected and the disciples who followed him. And he taught a lot and then eventually was betrayed. And he accepted that this is what would happen even though it would be very, very painful and very, very difficult for him. And even though he fully did not deserve the punishment he got, he took on the punishment for our sins. At one point he was fasting and he was in the desert and he saw every single sin that was ever committed prior to currently or in the future so that he could fully be informed and fully consent to what was going to happen. And he still chose to do it. And much like in, you know, the past and even various different religious sects, you'll hear about people who made sacrifices. 
he was the sacrifice. He was the sacrificial lamb, completely unblemished, who took on the weight of our sins so that we could be forgiven for them and have our slate wiped clean so that we could be saved, as a lot of people say. Okay. Uh, next question, where, where does baptism fit in? Well, Jesus himself was baptized. He was baptized in the Bible by John the Baptist. And he also urged his disciples to get baptized, had them baptized, and his disciples, or I'm sorry, his apostles. And then his apostles went out and continued to push baptism and had people baptized. Okay. Now, Peter in Acts chapter 2 said to repent and be baptized. We did. Okay. Then over in his first epistle in chapter 3, he says, baptism saves you. Actually, mm -hmm. said baptism saves you. Mm -hmm. In the there's there's a lot of terminology that gets lost between Catholics and non-Catholics, mm -hmm. and you know a lot of non-Catholics love to say use the term personal Lord and Savior, which is not in the Bible. Not in the Bible, yeah. Bible, personal Lord and Savior, and they love to say born again. You mm -hmm. must be. Born which Catholics believe happens when you're baptized. Mm -hmm. That the priest, when he baptizes you, that the sacrament, and it's not a symbol, mm -hmm. it's something really happens. Mm -hmm. And that's the context of. Mm -hmm. all through the chapter yep. so you got to believe in Jesus mm -hmm. Romans 9 and 10 can you can you find that with your young that helps everybody on YouTube that can still read because I Yes, I can't see nothing on this little tiny print Bible. But then Romans nine ten. Yeah, uh, ten uh, Romans ten nine and ten, Romans chapter ten nine and ten, which you know is a Protestant. You know they say that uh, Paul said, "If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that you'll be saved." Okay, so can you read that part? I yeah. think it's. Nine and ten, Romans ten yeah. nine. It says, "If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Him from death, you will be saved. For it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved." Okay, now that mentions two things. Mm -hmm. It mentions believing mm -hmm. and confession. Mm -hmm. Confession before men. Yeah. Not it didn't it. You know, he didn't leave out the confession part. He, mm -hmm. he could have wrote it a different way. And that's mm -hmm. Paul. Yeah. The Apostle Paul. Okay, can you read uh, for me? Can you look at Romans 2? Like old man. Hey, Irma. I am an old man. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For God will reward each of us according to what we have done. Okay, and seven and eight. I meant six through eight. Oh, so 
For God will reward each of us according to what we have done. Some people keep on doing good and seek glory, honor, and immortal life. To them, God will give eternal life. Other people are selfish and reject what is right in order to follow that uh, in order to follow what is wrong. On them, God will pour out his anger and fury. There will be suffering and pain for all those who do what is evil. For the Jews first and also the Gentiles. Okay. In the King James Bible, it says that you'll have eternal life if you keep doing good. Mm. So doing is doing something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to find, you know, you know, in the book of James, mm-hmm. it talks about faith without works is dead. And mm-hmm. just they don't want to hear that. No. They hear that they asked Jesus in their heart when they were 12 years old and lived like hell yeah. going to heaven. I mean, I think there's a lot of correlation between our relationship with the Lord and marriage. And it's very, very easy to say, oh, Lord, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's very easy to turn to your spouse and be like, yes, I love you. 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 But unless you are showering them with love and behaving in a way that shows I love you, it, it, it's meaningless. That's, that's literally exactly what it all means. If I'm saying, yes, oh, Lord, Lord, I love you. You know, I want to give my life to you, all, all, all that stuff. But then I'm going out and I'm being a drunkard or I'm fornicating or I'm, you know, a murderer or what have you. I'm not actually living for the Lord. I'm living for me. I'm doing what I want to do. And similarly, if I told my husband, yes, I love you so much. You are the love of my life. And, you know, I just want to live with you forever and ever and ever. But as soon as the next gentleman propositions me, I just go and hop in his bed. I am not living like I love my husband. I am not acting like I love my husband. And so he would be right in saying, you don't, you don't love me. Like you might love what I do for you. You might love how I make you feel, but you don't love me. You're not acting like you love me. If you did, you would die to self and not quench each and every whim that you have. You would be thinking about me and living your life for me, with me in mind, out of love. So Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an if. You love me, it's conditional. Mm-hmm. It's one, he, he didn't just say, if you love me, believe in me. Right. Hey, do your best. <laughs> yeah. Consider. In John 15, it says those that do not remain in him are cut off like branches, mm-hmm. you know, to the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't bear fruit, they're cut off and cast into the fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out where are they getting this idea that all I've got to do is believe. That's all. And yeah. nothing. I mean, that's what Luther wanted us to do. Just believe. Yeah. And we do have to believe. Yeah. But he gave us a lot of other things to do too. Mm-hmm. Like Eric just said, be perfect. Something I like about the Catholic Church is that they tied everything together in a to-do list. Mm-hmm. The sacraments, because the, the first sacrament is what? Baptism. Okay. That's how you get born again. Mm-hmm. 
the Baptist would say born again or get saved. So we say it's through baptism. Okay. Now, when a Catholic gets baptized, it's, just, it's not just the water, but you also say a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. You're confessing Jesus, his resurrection, his lordship. Mm -hmm. um, you're doing a verbal public repentance that you're no longer going with the, what is it, the devil and his shams? I don't know. You renounce Satan publicly. Yeah. From a bunch of people, this ain't this ain't done in the church office, right? No, it's done in front of everybody, and people say, "Oh, you just go, you can't saying you've been saved, and baptism don't save you." Well, it's a lot more than getting wet. You make some some declarations of your faith, right? Then uh, the next one you get confirmation, right? Mm, I mean, it depends on your diocese because you get here in Phoenix, you get. Baptism, then reconciliation, then confirmation, then communion. Okay. Um, in in our church here, if you've never been, um, you, you know, you've never been baptism. Baptism wipes everything out. Right. So you, so you don't, don't do the confession. Right. You get to skip that. Unlike me, when I became Catholic, I had to go to my first confession. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do really bad, and I even went ahead of the plan. I went way before I was supposed to go. Because <laughs> I was like, uh, I read in the catechism, the newer one, the JP, you know, the white one, I got it. Right. Yeah. It says that, um, you know, you have to go to confession. After yeah. you, right? Mm -hmm. So you Resaved or rebaptized, but you do go to confession. And um, I was afraid that what happens if I die in a car wreck or drop dead of a heart attack before my first confession? Yep. So I went ahead and went. Mm -hmm. No chances. Right. Um. So at your at your parish, you you say you get baptized, then you. This is all in one night after you go through the program, right? Yeah, if you're an adult convert in the OCIA process, you'll get baptized and then you'll receive confirmation and communion. Okay, my pastor objected to that. He's, where in the Bible does it say you got to do all that? Talking about RCIA, and I just quoted a great commission where he mm -hmm. said, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all things which I have commanded you. And mm -hmm. he didn't like that. That I read out of his great commission that <laughs> all, all the things and be baptized. So he didn't like that one bit. So that night when when uh when I went through, you know, the ones that needed to be baptized were baptized. Mm -hmm. the rest of us that had been baptized already, we had something confirmation mm -hmm. and the priest put some more oil on it, laid hands mm -hmm. on us, and, and uh, we received the gift of the Holy Spirit at that point. Hey, Daz, we received the Holy Spirit, right, and the seal upon us. And what I think was real neat is, do you remember, I don't know if y'all did it, but about halfway through the classes we took, we had to go present ourselves to the bishop 
and they wrote our name in a uh, in a book. Mm-hmm. And they told us we wrote your is the uh, is the right of election. Yeah, right of election. Yeah, and they said, "Oh, we're mailing these names off to Rome, and they will be written down in Latin in Rome." And I was like, "Oh, so that explains election to me." You know, I'd been Presbyterian yeah. and everything, and, and the way the Catholics explained it was a lot more. Uh, it just was codified. Yeah. You know, you got all these, all the New Testament. I think there's 13 ways to get saved. Mm-hmm. Ever seen that meme with the, uh, what do Catholics believe you do to get saved? Baptize, repent. It's got 13. And what the Catholic Church did is they just wound it together and codified it into the sacraments. Mm-hmm. We all get them the same way. Mm-hmm. So you had confirmation, then you get to partake of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. That takes care of what Jesus said in John chapter 6. Unless mm-hmm. you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have eternal life. And they they don't like that verse either. Yeah. Don't like it a bit. So what what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's a part of being saved is to participate in the Eucharist? That's something that I've actually been wrestling with. On its face, I would say, yeah, you do have to do that. But I don't know that it means if you don't, you're automatically damned. Uh, Especially today, because of course the scriptures were written at the time they were written for the people of that time. And so there's some historical context that needs to happen. But the what was happening then isn't what was happening or what is happening now, where there's a bajillion denominations and all of these things, and some people are really confused. And ultimately, God knows your heart. He knows if you're being really, really lazy, and the reason why you're not eating his flesh and drinking his blood is because you're just lazy. Like I think those people are probably out of luck. You know what I mean? You made your choice. But there are some people who are truly, truly, earnestly seeking, who are confused or who are dealing with real life realities of navigating these things. Like I have a lot of people who message me on Instagram who talk about how they're interested in converting or they want to convert, but they have a spouse that they have to worry about, or they come from a high demand church that leaving that high demand church poses a lot of problems in and of itself. It can cause the family to split up if they have children as well. And then they also have to navigate, okay, well, if I become Catholic and you know, I have children, I have to raise my children Catholic, then I have my spouse who's not. So there are a lot of things that a lot of moving parts that come into play. And I think at the end of the day, it does boil down to God knows your heart. Mm-hmm. And the simple way to put it is if God extends this invitation to you and you say, no, that's no, you can say yes. And you can turn your life completely around overnight, or you can say yes and say, but I have a lot of stuff to figure out first. And I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. We live in a fallen world of broken people. It's not perfect. So as idealistic as it would be to say every single person who has that conversion moment and is like, absolutely, yes, you must turn it around right now. Like it's, it's just not possible without causing swaths of destruction in your life you know but when it comes to 
holding to everything that Jesus said, like eating my flesh and drinking my blood. I think there's an element of you can be, how do I want to say this? You can be Christian enough to be considered Christian, but still not be all the way in. Mm -hmm. And I would say that those people sort of have like a conditional yes, but a conditional yes is still yes. It's not no. And I don't mean conditional in the sense of like, okay, well, I'll live for you in these ways. But even though you ask me to live for you in these ways, I won't. That's not what I mean. What I mean is if God wants you to do a dozen things, but you only know of six. And so you say yes to six. Like you've said yes, as far as you know, and he knows the same thing. So I, 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 I am also of the opinion that uh, earlier I said that uh, I've had Protestants talk to me about how they think God makes sure that we're all going to understand the Bible. And I disagree with that. I do think God makes sure that all of us have a clear invitation to join him. And I think some people might get that invitation multiple times and some people might only get it once, but it still happens. And it happens in the perfectly just way of God. And some people get it early in life and some people get it on their deathbed as they're actively leaving this world. But I think it still happens for everyone. In fact, I don't even think I know it happens for all of us. I can't remember which saint, some saints said that when you are dying, Jesus appears to you three times and says, accept me. And if you say no, he'll come the second time and he'll come the third time. And if you say no all three times, he's like, okay. But if you say yes, even only on the third time, even if only on this deathbed, you said yes. And so he can claim you and you don't go the other way. Um, what, um, we've only got a couple minutes left and mm-hmm. I like your answer. One thing that I've heard people say is that what about the thief on the cross? He didn't get baptized or take the Eucharist. Or, you know, God knows, God's got brains and logic. He knows that the thief of the cross couldn't just get unnailed to go get baptized and all that yeah. stuff. He's got sense. And some people may be in a position where they can't do much. Mm-hmm. And, deathbed. and plus, we are found. By these sacraments. The Lord's not. The sacraments are for us. They are an outward sign of our inward faith. There are things that we do to show that we are in communion, that we desire these things. They are for us. You know, we as humans, like we have to do things. We have we have to engage in some way. It's not just all this mental stuff for us. We are uh, tangible creatures who have to engage in certain rituals. I mean, even just going to bed, you do the same handful of things before you go to bed every night, you know, they are for us. We are bound to them. The Lord is not bound to them. He can do whatever he wants at any given time, but he says, I know that this is good for you. And I know that in doing this, you're saying, yeah, I want to, I want to be with you in the same way that you would go through these motions and make these vows to say, I want to be yoked to my spouse. So our duties and our responsibilities are ours. They're not the Lord's. Right. He can save who he wants. It's like friends. I've noticed an uptick on TikTok and Instagram of people going after Muslims. Mm -hmm. Going after Muslims. Our Pope told us to leave them alone. Yeah. Okay. And the way I look at it, they have a covenant with God. I'm not talking about the, through Muhammad, but the, but the uh, Arabs, have a covenant with God through Ishmael and Hagar. They got a covenant. 
And Mary has been appearing to a whole bunch of Muslims lately, from what I hear, leading them to Jesus and the church. But, you know, it's like you said, uh, uh, those people over there that born into, into that religion, you know, uh, I'm speaking more of their ethnicity than being Arab. Mm-hmm. If they're descendants of Hagar and Abraham in, in Genesis 17, God gave them a covenant. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes into what you're saying. They're not bound. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, God's not bound. He can still save someone. Yeah. Right? He can save you. You may mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's like I heard a guy say on, uh, I think it was Matt Frad. The only time yeah. I've heard him, I've listened to him one time, and he said, "When you boil it all down, the second part, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, came down to Earth, loved me, and died for me, and rose from the dead. And He's not going to throw me to he- into hell over a technicality if I'm pursuing Him with my heart." Absolutely. Yeah. So our time's gone. But I really enjoy having you on here a lot. Yeah. I enjoy coming on here. And it goes so fast. (laughs) But uh, I appreciate you a lot, and Eric, and and JR, and everybody that tuned in. And I'm going to ask you about something later. I'll shoot you a text later on, okay? Okay. All right. As we're leaving, as we're leaving, tell them how to get on your Instagram. Oh, uncatechized Catholic at uncatechized Catholic. That's how you find me. You'll see my face. Okay. <laughs> and you do a lot of uh, fashion and and uh, beauty things too. Well, Mom. my my oh, I didn't post my outfit today. I need to go do that. But my posts are all catechesis. I don't really ever post stuff about fashion. But my stories, I talk a lot more about style and my life and homeschooling and. All kinds of things. That's just perfect. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.